Did you try the beignets? Yeah. I didn't like them. What? Yeah, I didn't like the beignets. I, they weren't that good. I, I feel like it was an off day maybe uh, when I had them, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I Finally Watched Chef. So Chef is a Jean Favreau. Jean. Jean, <laughs> Jean. Favreau. Jean Favreau movie uh, from 2014 that he wrote, directed, and starred in. Uh, It's just, to me, it's just a really enjoyable film. There's absolutely, like, almost no tension in the entire movie. Um, There's There's a little bit of it. Maybe a tiny bit. But there's no fear that, like, anything bad is ever going to happen to him. It's, It's maybe manufactured a little bit at the end when he's like, you ruined my life. I was at my lowest point. It's like, you never really seemed to be. Um, like he gets fired and makes just like a shit ton of food, like at his kitchen for himself with just like these meats and these side dishes and everything. And I'm just like, you're out of a job and you're later on telling people like, you don't have money. Why are you like, how much did that food cost? But I digress. Um, so I saw this in theaters. I've watched it several times since. Cause like I said, it's just really kind of an enjoyable light movie. Um, and so since you finally watched Alon, what did you think of chef? I mean, it was, it's definitely one of those films that, you know, you can kind of just sit back and just enjoy without having to like really worry. Um, And, you know, I'm kind of going into this blind. I know it's about a chef, but other than that, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. And so I'm sitting there watching it and at times, I'll be honest with you, David, at times I was thinking, wow, this is really good dialogue the character development the things that they choose to do and how the story is developing i'm like really enjoying this and then some motherfucking b character will stay will say like the dumbest shit and i'm like okay is that like realistic like people in real life say dumb shit all the time or is that like just poorly written dialogue um and fortunately for the film, it doesn't have uh, that much <laughs> dumb shit in it. And for the most part, I think it had a really good message. I really enjoyed like the underlying father-son bonding uh, theme in the movie. I like how that was the focus. And it could have easily been just like, hey, it's this dude and he's used to this kind of style of cooking in this kind of restaurant. And now he's moving into a food truck. And now he has to go through the struggles of that. And that was not how it was at all. And it was completely focused on their father-son relationship. And I thought that was like a really good way of going about um, how to execute something like this. So, yeah, I, I think we can just like flesh out scene by scene. Um, starting with freaking Dustin Hoffman. Well, before that, just really quickly, I think, I think the movie does a good job of like starting out showing kind of all these like monotonous tasks that, you know, chefs have to do like prepping and everything. And it shows you like all these food, like, like all these food preparations that they're making. And one thing I was reading is, have you, have you seen the chef show on Netflix? No, not at all. 
So the chef show is John Favreau and then this guy, Roy Choi, who's like got a cookbook out now. But basically he was like- I know Roy Choi. Yeah, he started- He was on, he was on Gilmore Girls. Not that one. <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it was the same one. He, he was like a guest star as a chef on the reprisal of the show. Oh, the, okay. I was like, because he wasn't big when Gilmore Girls first came out. Um, but yeah, he's kind of started this like food truck revolution in LA or is like one of the people- but he like had a lot to do with like helping Favreau get into the character. And he told Favreau, I'm only going to help you if you like are really authentic and true to like what a chef would be. Um, and having read like Kitchen Confidential and watching like a ton of like Bourdain shit and like, you know, I find that those type of things very interesting. It did feel real to me. And I did read that a lot of people like in that industry thought it was like pretty accurate. Um, but I, I just love the beginning of this before we get to the Hoffman character, which I really want to talk about Hoffman in this. Um, but I like, like they set up like, okay, he's got the, he's got this food blogger coming in and he doesn't even, he like asks his son if he knows what a food blogger is. Like their relationship is really funny in the beginning. Yeah. I do like the line about, Hey, have you tried Anduli sausage? Uh, it's pretty spicy. Do you like spicy? And his son's like, no. And he's like, well, it's not that spicy. Don't worry about it. Um, so I think like the setting up of the relationship in the beginning is, is great. You're setting up this food bloggers coming. There's also like this running gag that we can talk about more and more as the movie goes, just like this old man doesn't understand technology and like these new fangled thing the kids are into, like jokes that are just throughout. Right. Um, but all that is, is set up pretty well in the beginning of the movie. And then you get to Dustin Hoffman. Uh, yes. Basically a representation of, every boss i've ever had if if you think of like like being a chef is kind of like being an artist or like you know like someone that makes movies or whatever like hoffman is the embodiment of like the business side of it that doesn't understand but he gets to be in control because he puts the money up yeah right and so he he's just like what sells um when, watching this for uh you know, today to, to talk about this, I was like going into Hoffman when he first comes and talks to, uh, to Favreau. I was like, you know, he's really annoying, but at least like he has a good argument. He's like, listen, you tried to sell like sweetbreads, which are just guts and no, not a single person bought it. And he's like, but you've been doing this menu that is really good. You should do that menu. And then he tells him like, hey, you know, do what you want but I just think this is what you should do. So at least at that point, he left it up to Favreau and Favreau obviously makes the wrong decision and second guesses himself. I, I just have to interject real quick. Um, how fucking misleading is sweetbreads? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I learn what sweetbreads actually are, it's the most fucking meanest, misleading shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Vegan alert. <laughs> uh yeah no it's it's not what it seems um but yeah i guess at that point he has a point because he gives these examples that like hey you've tried this and i've let you try it but it just it doesn't work but then on the other hand i could see the other side of it quite easily like hey i want to impress this guy we've been serving the same shit for five years let me be creative i'm a good cook you know, and it's, and it's not like, 
here's the thing, right? And here's what I kind of got from it is that Dustin Hoffman's character is trying to appease the masses while John Favreau wants to impress this one particular guy, you know? Well, you get that more in the second argument they have than the first. Um, Hoffman does make the comment of like, when you see the stones, like, do you want to play the, you want them to play the hits? Like if they don't play satisfaction, you're going to be mad. He's like, so play your hits. Um, but what I do like too, is then like, he kind of like leaves after like setting everything up, he leaves to go hang out with this kid more. And then like, you know, it's, it kind of shows like, especially when you're like the head guy, like the off and on nature of like preparing everything. I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I was kind of confused at that. I was like, well, maybe it's a flashback to like when they were still at the supermarket and now they want you to understand something more and it'll go back to the kitchen later. But then they, they're like drinking. So here's what like caught me off guard, right? Is that he preps, he goes back to the supermarket with his kid or goes to hang out with his kid. And the next thing you know, they're like all drinking at a bar. And I guess you just assume at that point, like, oh, the meal's already served, the review already came, and it's all done, and now the review is out. Right, which you find out pretty quickly. Um, they, they don't let it hang too long, like what's happened. But it was um, abrupt, right? No, it, it is. It's definitely an abrupt change. I mean, I think like showing the passage of time in a movie is uh, is always like a, you know, how do you do it in like a unique way without like you know, stamping some like gaudy letters on there? Like there's so many different ways to do it. I think the fact that they get into the review right away kind of lets you know, like, all right, this is what, what's up. But it does. It just, it just happens. I love how misleading that review, that review started out to be. Yeah, it was very, it was almost purposely like, obviously it's for the movie, but purposely misleading to, uh, to uh, get your hopes up. Or to get his hopes up. Right. Cause it's being yeah. written about him essentially. I love how they kind of made you, and I, this is what I thought. So you, please let me know if you think different they kind of made you feel like this blogger was here to review the restaurant. But then what it actually came down to is like almost like a personal review of, of the chef's character. Well, I think when you're a reviewer like that, and if you're in like a, if you're in like an LA or New York, you're obviously going to have just restaurants where you're maybe just reviewing the restaurants. But honestly, if you're a high end reviewer going to high end restaurants, like restaurants are, known for who the chef is right right so it's like you are really it's you're gonna name the, the chef um the other thing is like i was talking about the details earlier did you notice how like leguizamo had like his hand wrapped yeah i thought it was pretty cool just because it's like it's never mentioned but it's just like this detail of like oh he obviously like cut himself cooking and it's just like the show goes on we got to keep moving did you notice john favreau's arms and not only like the tattoos but if you look there's like burns and cuts like all up and down his arm i noticed the tattoos i didn't really notice the cuts too much there's one scene where you notice them like quite uh blatant and i thought that was just a super cool way of of doing makeup for this like where like you wouldn't you know assume much makeup is needed apart from maybe the tattoos and basic makeup but um yeah, burns and cuts were put like all up and down both of his forearms. And I thought that was just super awesome detail. And the next thing before we get into John Favreau learning about Twitter is probably the the biggest plot hole of the movie. 
um, is that Jean Favreau gets Scarlett Johansson to sleep with him after being married to Sofia Vergara. <laughs> it reminds me of like this, this, I don't know who wrote it, but this tweet of like, I considered a plot hole every time the, like the overweight comedic actor who wrote the movie is like with uh, like a 10. And um, it's like, not only was his ex-wife Sofia Vergara, but now he's sleeping with Scarlett Johansson. So, right. Actually, he, didn't he deny Scarlett Johansson? He's like, we'll just cook instead. Well, no, no. He clearly, like, she was like, we said we're not going to do this anymore. And he's like, well, how about I just cook for you? And she's like, okay. But I mean, she's laying in his bed. Um, it reminds me of, like, every Adam Sandler movie. I, it, it's also this tweet, right? I, I don't know if it's, like, a pretty famous tweet. <laughs> we're going to jump into Twitter in a second. But it's this tweet where this girl is like, I hope one day I'll be pretty enough to be Adam Sandler's wife in a movie. Uh, no, I haven't heard that one. That one's good too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, here's the thing, right? John Favreau wrote it, directed it, starred in it. So you almost see like he set himself in this, like set himself up in this position. But I do appreciate how there's actually in the film, like what's shown on screen, no actual physical contact between him and either of his co-stars. Right. And the Sofia Vergara character makes sense, right? Because of the, the whole, like, I mean, so she's, she's Colombian, I think. And so is John Leguizamo, but you have to create this like Miami connection because they start the truck down there and they have the Cubanos. And then Scarlett Johansson is obviously just like in the MCU universe with, with John Favreau. So um, like that, having her do this, you know, do this movie obviously makes sense. Well, there's another character. Hey, no, no, no. Let's get to that part when we get to it. I knew you were going to do this. I want to cut it off now. No, no, no. I was just going to tease it. But yeah, we'll get to it in a second. I'll, I'll even let you introduce it. But... Um, Fuck Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's this like tiny little thing where in the review where he's like, wow, the, the weight that Chef <laughs> Casper has gained. So you have to also assume that he was younger and, and like better looking when he initially married Sofia Vergara? Well, Sofia Vergara's father says, oh, you've put on weight. And he's like, well, actually, yes. Since I saw you, I put on weight, but I've lost 15 pounds apparently in the last two weeks, which is bullshit. Um, I, I like how, did you notice the, you know, you get the Oliver Platt reveal when he comes to the restaurant the second time. Did you notice how his face was like, like uh, pixelated over so you couldn't see who it was when you look at the website? Yeah. I thought that's pretty interesting, like the way that they were trying to hide that. You could have just like not shown the face on the website. It's not a real website. So that part, I, and now thinking about it, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense of well, why you put the face on there. Well, so I would think that like the actual website has his picture on it with the pixelation being like, you don't know when this guy is in your restaurant. So you have no idea. But not only did they know when he, the night that he was coming, it seemed like very common knowledge that everyone knew what he looked like. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's one of the most famous uh, food critics apparently in that area. Yeah. But I, you I, can still be a famous food critic and keep your identity like a, a mystery. Right. But. Well, I think you, they generally let restaurants know when they're coming. And, and part of that is so they get the free meal. True. True. Um, but I, I like the the running joke of fuck Twitter. John Leguizamo says it. And then uh, Bobby Carnival says it too. Yeah. And he's just like, what does this mean? Why do people keep saying this? And then the whole line about like Twitter's just for sex. And he's like, it is. And then he asks his son, he's like, so is Twitter, is this a sex thing? His son's like, 
is that what you're using this for? He's like, <laughs> no, no. Um, I also thought there was just way too much cheese on that grilled cheese that he makes for his son. As a vegan, David, um, there, there was just the right amount of cheese. <laughs> uh, that looked like a damn fine, good grilled cheese sandwich. Um, I, I do think in the, you know, I talked earlier about, you know, the, the, the lack of understanding of technology and like plays a huge role in this movie. And so his son explaining Twitter to him and just like, it's such an obvious like plot device for like someone who's just introduced to Twitter. Cause Twitter, when it first came out, I think was even more complicated on like how to tweet at people, how to privately message people, how to just like reply. So it wasn't seen as easily and how to put it on your page, like all that. So I think it is a funny device of like him just completely like, not getting it he's like well no no no. i i wrote a message directly to him it, it gave me the option to reply and the son explained to him like uh, no it's not how that works so i mentioned that there was a couple of instances in the film where i just felt like it was stupid stupid things being said um and not all don't get me wrong not all but when it got into like the monotony of like new age speak and like old men not understanding stuff. I was like, it's kind of dumb. This is kind of dumb. And I could have done without it. Uh, There's another scene and I'll mention it when we get to it, but as an overall like understanding of what I mean when I say stupid, there is a lot of young person speak that I didn't feel like actually a young person would say that in a million years. And then there was an, a bunch of like old person not understanding technology, which I felt like was almost like in the movie preaching, like, Oh, kids these days. And I was are you like, talking about like the road trip part of it. I'm just saying like, as a whole, there are instances throughout that felt not like very well-written dialogue. They were trying to get a definite point across and I just don't think they did it well. And it usually came down when they were talking about the technology gap. Like, I like the Vine reference. No, see, that's the kind of shit I'm talking about, David. Definitely. I, I, I did not like the Vine reference. Well, I mean, this is a 2014 movie, so Vine was huge, I think, in 2014. I don't remember the exact timeline no, of it. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I guess I, guess I have to mind that, that, that this kid- isn't like... That kid would be the age of someone who would be very much on on. I fucking know, man. I just, I didn't enjoy it. But then I guess you're right. I do have to think this is like a six, seven-year-old movie, you know. The Before we get to Hoffman's next and final appearance, I do love the line of, you wouldn't know a good meal if it sat on your face. But then Oliver Platt coming back with like, I would rather you sit on my face after like a a warm day than eat your fucking lava cake again. (laughs) (laughs) But he's right, right? Like the lava cake is not a lava cake just because you undercook the middle. Like at that point, I don't trust anything Oliver Platt says as a, as a food critic. Cause I'm like, you don't fucking know how to, how food is made. (laughs) <laughs> this reminds me of uh untouchables like oh the middle was undercooked <laughs> um what did you think of hoffman's reaction in the second the second time he came around 
Well, I mean, obviously, it's way more like if you didn't dislike him in the first conversation, the script definitely made you want to dislike him in the second. Uh, and then it, it's kind of sad, too, because all he had good ground to stand on. Like, we were both almost on his side, right, when we were talking about his first conversation. But now his second conversation, he's just like double uh, downing on the, on the douchebaggery and doubling what, down. Doubling down, you never double down on a uh, on an eleven. You don't double downing either. Um, I think in this scene, his like he's so illogical, he's so overbearing that it's just like it, it kind of doesn't take you out of the movie, but it's just like he's like almost a caricature because he just like you know, he doesn't even know what the new menu is, right? And like the new menu isn't that crazy. It's like a lot of meats and stuff. Right. But you know, it's like, um, it reminded me of that scene in Matilda where Danny DeVito's like, I'm big, you're small. I'm smart, you're dumb. And there's nothing you can do about it. It, it was almost like that kind of argument he brought to the table. He's like, look, I pay your, your, uh, you get paid for me. I own the restaurant. So it's, you know, do what I say or get out. And, um, but he, he's he's also like he's he's mad at Favreau for the tweet, even though the tweet is clearly the only reason they're packed. Right. And he also tweeted, I'm gonna cook you a new different meal, which is also part of the reason they're packed. You're gonna have this food critic come back. He's already given you a horrible review. How is it gonna get worse? And his his comment of like, well, you're feeding a ton of people, not just this guy. Well, it's like all right, well then just feed this guy a different meal. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's once again, it's like the business people getting involved in the side of the business that they just don't understand. And it's like, I don't know, you got to let the chef cook. If, if like, don't bring in a, like a, a chef that like, at this point, he's getting a ton of offers to go to other restaurants. Like you don't bring in a great chef to tell him to make fucking like the dessert they have at Chili's. So I thought this movie was going in a, in a kind of a completely different direction um, when this scene kind of happened because he, he decides that he quits, right? He goes home and um, the other two like sous chefs and line chef, they stay, get promoted, I guess. And they cook the same dole meal. And, and, you know, Oliver Platt is like, I really thought I was in for like a surprise and I'm being like, and he, and so John Favreau goes home and cooks. And I really thought the way this was going to go is that he cooks the meal at home that he wants to cook. He brings it to the restaurant, like to Oliver Platt. And he's like, try this motherfucking food. Um, he loves it. And, but he gets like, ostracized or sued out of his ass by Dustin Hoffman for like bringing like food that wasn't approved into the restaurant. Like that's how I thought it was going to go. I don't think there's any grounds for a lawsuit there. Um, that would have made more sense than just wasting all that food. I also think like, I don't know. He could have explained to Platt like in yelling at him, like, Hey, I was going to make you a different fucking meal tonight. Um, and I've been fired. That is like a really hard to watch scene of him just explaining like, I'm not needy. I'm not cloying. I, uh, I don't care what you think as he just continue like yells and like shows how hurt he is. Um, yeah, but then it's like, I, I think 
this movie relies too much on the word viral and i was just about sick of it by the end of it yeah i mean once again though this is like seven years ago so like you got to take a little bit that into account i do like (laughs) the next scene of him not understanding the internet is like asking the publicist if she can just take all the videos down and can we sue people (laughs) which is probably something like a lot of famous people have done before understanding how things work yeah Probably. Heck, some of them still do it, so. Yeah, and somehow, even though I know he was wrong and the publicist was correct, when he called her an idiot and hung up, or hung up and then called her a moron or an idiot, I was like, yeah, she is a moron, because <laughs> she really just, I don't know what it was about her character, but I just did not like her. Well, she's purposely supposed to be sort of annoying, but like funny. Um <laughs> I think the movie really takes off from this point when they go to Miami, like oh, yeah. this, this latter half of the movie is, is, is my favorite part of it. Um, I didn't understand the, she invites uh, Inez, Sofia Vergara invites him to Miami um, to watch their son while she does stuff. I don't really know what she's doing. Um, we never find out. I guess she seems like she's just hanging out, but she says, you know, the nannies can't get on the plane. And I was like, why can't the nannies get on the plane? What are we playing at here? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Is this know. an ID issue? Is this a fear of flying or heights issue? What's going on here? Yeah, that, I just ignored it because I was like, this is going to bring up way more questions than this movie is willing to answer. Uh, I guess they just needed a reason for John Favreau to get to Miami. It's an interesting plot device, I'll say. And then he gets um, into the argument about the 15 pounds in the two weeks with his ex-father-in-law. And Why does he keep saying 20 pounds? I keep saying 15. He keeps saying 20. Why does he keep doing that? So this was the real catalyst, right? This dinner. Because this is where he had like the really good Cuban sandwiches and Inez was like, oh, yours is better. And then that kind of just like clicked with him like, hey, you know a guy who just so happens to be your ex-husband before me that can, get, I guess, get me a food truck? Or is it just... He just happens to have one, apparently. Um, and before we, we get to that part, I do love, it's this really tiny like thing that you might not even notice, but he's like arguing with his former uh, father-in-law that he's lost 15 pounds. And if you notice, when the lady brings him his food and sets the Cuban down, he has the Cuban in his hand before the waitress has finished setting down the plate which is such like a fat guy move. <laughs> but as he's arguing that he's losing weight, he can't let her finish setting it down before he starts eating. Oh, I thought you were saying this was like a continuity error. error. You're saying that he grabbed it like mid putting it she, down? I mean, no, she's like, it's like the plate is hovering in front of him about to be set down and he grabs half the sandwich off of it and starts eating it. Got it. Although that looked like a really good Cuban sandwich. <laughs> oh, it probably was. It no, so was. here's the thing about this film, right? And I was talking to, um, no, actually, I was talking to our good friend Joey about how great of a movie um, Ratatouille is. I'm sure that was a great conversation. Uh, I mean, it was more than just how great of a movie Ratatouille was, and he was making way more of a case for it than I was. But he was saying, you know, it's so why it was so good is because it's it's a movie that once you watch it, makes you want to cook. And I feel like this movie is the same way. 
this movie made it look like now first of all i love cooking normally but the shots and the stylized like camera angles and the way they just the food looks either one really wants to make you start cooking or two really wants to make you start eating one or one way or the other uh it does extreme justice to how good the food looks in this movie but then after he finally decides to accept this offer we get like probably one of my favorite cameos in a movie because it's just so unexpected and and you know the only reason why this all worked out to be a cameo too you know right because they're in the middle of the marvel cinematic universe and then you just get robert downey jr um in such like it, <laughs> he had to tell Favreau like i'll do it i'm gonna be real fucking weird in this movie let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like um like a no bars held no hold bars is it no hold bars yeah uh, it's almost like a no hold bars version of um tony stark right without the like more like on the creep factor than charisma and also way less successful <laughs> and also what does he even do i don't understand what he does I don't know either, but he apparently has enough money to afford booties to put on people's shoes. Um, I like the whole line of like, oh, she says she's pregnant and it's mine, but it can't be mine. I have my, my tubes tied, but maybe I should keep it. He's like, are we, and then they're talking about the carpet. Are we talking about the carpet or the baby? I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah, he like, that's a, that is, it's one of my favorite cameos in a movie. It's so good. By the way, when you said he has enough money to put booties on his his guests that visit him in, in you know in the reception, how mm-hmm. much how much money do you think booties cost, David? I'm just saying it's an expenditure you could do without. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Um, He's, he has enough money to be eccentric enough to not want people to walk around with shoes in his office. I like how he's like, I'll just put the <laughs> I'll just put the carpet. I'll just put the carpet in because people keep sliding in like fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, why, 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 why do you just not like have them wear the booties? And Robert Downey just looks at him so dumb, like, no, 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 that's not an option. Uh, so you know that at that point he gets the food truck from his ex-wife's ex-husband, um, and I love this whole thing where he just doesn't. There's this like thing up in the air that. Um... Oh, another thing I didn't like. I didn't like how Robert Downey Jr.'s character's name is is Marvin. But then um, his his partner, his like sushi. John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo's name is Marvin. Martin. Martin and Marvin. It was too close for me to feel comfortable about it. I apologize uh, on behalf of the movie for that. Thank um, you. I, I do like John Leguizamo showing up um, just because it, it adds obviously another layer to like the road trip aspect of the, the end of the movie. Um, one thing I noticed is, so they, they, there's this whole montage of them cleaning out the truck. Uh, the son gets pissed because he's like, you're making me do all the shittiest work. And he's like, that smells like ass. I'm not cleaning out this tray. And like runs off, which is a total like boss move because it's like, you really don't want to clean out that tray. So go pout while your dad does it. And then afterwards, you can have this apology and then, you know, move on. I do get his point though. He was doing a lot of like the really heavy lifting on the cleaning. Um, yeah, but he, he, his dad was probably, first of all, I took it like he was kind of used to being the boss and telling everyone what to do, right? That's kind of just like the position he's been in for all these years. And then another thing is like, 
he's trying to teach his son like some work ethic, some discipline, you know? Yeah, I, I agree more with the first point you were making though, because he like he even realizes afterwards he's like, I was treating you like someone I work with instead of treating you like my son. And you know, that's kind of a theme throughout the movie of him like I I haven't been a great father because I've been too focused on this. Um, and you know, the food truck eventually will give him the freedom freedom to to do both. Um but John Leguizamo showing up and then them deciding like, all right, all in a day, we're going to like put all this new equipment. So they cleaned out the truck, uh, bought all this new equipment, had these guys load it, then went and bought pork, marinated the pork, which would take hours, and then uh, made Cuban sandwiches all with like out the sun changing. <laughs> I didn't really, uh, I didn't really think about it like that. I, I didn't take it that it all happened in one day. I was like, I could believe that it happened over a course of a couple of days. But yeah, I guess you're right because they, they promised those guys Cuban sandwiches if they help load the truck in, right? Yeah. So at least the truck loading part to them feeding them, like, like, and that should have taken hours. Um, but it's you know whatever it's not important we uh we glossed over this but i just thought it was a funny little scene where um john favreau was so worried that inez slept with martin yeah marvin marvin jesus she maybe she slept with martin who knows (laughs) uh yeah uh it was just like this funny thing like hey listen i don't care who you slept with after we got divorced but as long as it wasn't your ex-husband. <laughs> and she's like, well, what about that little woman that you work with talking about Scar Joe? And he's like, that's not the same thing. I mean, I totally, okay, first of all, not a fair double standard, but I totally see where he's coming from. I guess it would just be a little weird because it's like, you know that guy and that guy, you know, it's like, do you question now your entire marriage to her? If she was like, the whole time she was with you, was she thinking about him? Right. Um, but then she explains like, no, we, we didn't have sex and we just realized that, you know, we were lonely and it was a weird night. I thought the speech he gave after, uh, the son wants to get, give a, like the burnt sandwich away cause it's free. Yeah. I was like, that's, it was a little hokey. I get the point, but it was a little like, Oh, I liked it. I actually liked school that. special. No, I actually well, liked this it. Is my, this is my like sixth time hearing it. So maybe that's has something to do with it. Maybe it, it makes more sense and it's more impactful the first time. So when they clean it out and they make those Cubans serve it to the guys who helped them load it. And then they were like, um, this was even before John Leguizamo got the paint job that said El Jefe on the side. Yeah. That paint job in one night with new speakers, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But right at that scene was the hour and 10 minute mark, which only left like 40 minutes left of the movie. Right. So, this movie to me was the best. How do I say this? Like I had the most fun watching this movie during the road trip scenes, which was obviously like the last 40 minutes of the movie. They leave Miami with 30 minutes left in the movie. And that's including uh, the uh, ending credits. So like 25 minutes of the movie is the road trip. But that's the best fucking part. I, I if you lump Miami with it, it's about half the movie, and I think the Miami to the road trip is the best part. But yeah, I do enjoy the road trip, and I also remembered it being a lot longer than than what it was. Even knowing that it was like forty minutes left of the movie, the road trip did feel a lot longer. But they only stopped; they only did it in like three places: Miami, 
uh, New Orleans and Texas, you know, really but, like they spent, they spent that amount of time there. Um, okay. So I guess we can break down the rest of the movie as like road trip destinations. Yeah. I mean, real quick on Miami. So they, they take the, the truck to South beach. I like the, uh, the cop that shows up, like, are you the lava cake guy? And like, then just continually asks him for more insane, like pictures. Nope. You didn't like it. I hated it. I thought that was the worst part of the movie. It pissed <laughs> me off. And when I say stupid dialogue, the majority that I'm talking about is that scene. I fucking loathe that scene. I thought it was completely unnecessary. I thought that actor who played the cop was just chewing his screen time. And it probably was um, the worst part of the movie. I really singed my eyebrows with that hot take. Um, I like the, can we do the lady in the tramp as the uh, exclamation point on it? Stupid, dumb, stupid, stupid. All right, shut the fuck up. Um, One thing I thought about. I like the whole rest of the movie. I just have an issue with that one. I know, that's fine. You've said your piece. Can we move on? It's stupid. Now we can move on. I think they really overplayed, like, uh, the impact that the Twitter following would have. He has like 20,000 followers spread out over the world or at least the U.S. So it's like, how much is that really helping you in these random destinations? Well, 20,000 to begin with, right? Like 20,000 once he tweeted him and, and kind of went viral the first time. So I just, I just assume that it exponentially grew as the, the time passed. Well, if you think about it, and this is something the publicist says, but like she tells him to lay low and that's basically what he does. I mean, the story isn't going to grow any more than it did and people are going to move on. So, I mean, I think like the first influx of followers is what you're going to get. Yeah, but he didn't really lay low. Like his son kept his social media like alive. Yeah, I guess. I think the more you could more just see that as like almost like a travel like memory of like, you know, it's a vlog, not a vlog, but it's like a, just a log of, it's like a a vlog. I mean, here's the, it's a log because it's, it's not a video, but it's just like, it's showing like the journey you guys went on and you get to see the pictures and the little video snippets at the end, but just, it kind of, it kind of tracks them more than I think it would actually maybe, I mean, they made it seem like it brought in a ton of business, especially in New Orleans. Well, okay. So yeah, now we've moved away from the, from the, um, south beach into new orleans and i think that because i've been to new orleans i've been in the french quarter i've been in that like um farmer's market area i've been at cafe du monde and i'm like they just must have gone there and shot like actually on location which is really fucking cool because did you try the beignets yeah i didn't like them what yeah i didn't like the beignets I, they weren't that good. I, I feel like it was an off day, maybe, uh, when I had them. But yeah, okay, okay. I do like the aspect of that scene though, where he like the son's like, "All right, are we, are we going shopping for the truck now?" And he's like, "No, we, we have everything. I just want to spend time with you." And it's like a kind of a it's a cool moment, you know. It's like a like the top of the development arc of their relationship in the movie. One complaint about that is that when oh, they get God. back, sorry, okay, geez, this is this is a critical review. You knew this, um, and it's so small; it doesn't even matter. But I just wanted to say, there's no way in holy hell that when they get back to the truck 
And they're like, oh my God, look at this line. And he's like, oh, I just tweeted out and geotagged where we were, okay? And you could see the pictures that he took like in front of Cafe du Monde and like where they were on the French Quarter and pictures of the truck. There was no way that kid had the angle or the lighting during that time of day to take those pictures, okay? <laughs> you pretty much saw that kid leave the truck and walk with his father to Cafe du Monde and there was no fucking way that he had the time or the angle for those photographs. They're just too flawless. They're too good, <laughs> exactly. Just wanted to get that off my chest. And then we get more, uh, you know, they leave New Orleans, we, we get the Vine talk, and then John Leguizamo and uh, uh, John Favreau just basically doing like old men yelling about technology more and more. You know, six second videos, one second videos, what will these kids think of next? Yeah, it's just dumb, dumb shit. I did like their, uh, their singing of uh, Sexual heal- Healing by Marvin Gaye. And uh, that was. Uh, I thought was, the kids. I thought the kid's reaction to that was good. What did you think of him overall in the movie? The kid. I thought the kid was a pretty good actor. I mean, I I wasn't expecting like, you know, Oscar-winning performance. He's a he's a child, um, but as far as child actors go, he's he's pretty decent. Um, I thought he was like very authentic. His like like yeah. It just felt like he was a normal kid. That what like. It just acted like a normal kid, and I thought it really worked. Yeah, I mean, back again when it's like not like not that hokey dialogue where you're trying to explain, you know, new age technology, twitting twat shit like that. But when he had good dialogue, I thought he did a really authentic job with it. Um, what did you think about the scene where they put all put cornstarch on their balls? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not something I ever thought about doing, but you know, you're stuck in that truck. That would be a very miserable journey. Like, we don't know the hotel situation. It didn't um, seem like there was a hotel situation. But there's no way the three of them can sleep in that thing. So, like, it was very confusing. It almost, like, they were taking turns. Um, the layout of that van didn't make sense to me. Um, but I guess it, like, had movable parts so that you could Because how they places. had, like, such a huge front compartment on being able to, like basically it's fit a couch in there right yeah yeah it seemed odd um but then we get to austin and uh i think it's it's funny like the austin part has like these weird cameos so the the uh the guy they buy the meat from is like has like one of the most famous restaurants like barbecue restaurants in the u.s like they sell out all the time and then you have the the guy playing music um is gary clark jr have you ever listened to him i've heard of him yeah, so I, like it's funny when I saw that I was like, "Oh, it's Gary Clark Jr." Oh, maybe not. It's probably just, it, it just looks like. But no, it is. And I thought it was pretty cool. So let me ask you, what is the chef show about? Is it John Favreau reprising his role as this character? Is it John Favreau as John Favreau, and made this episodic thing to have an excuse to like keep trying different foods with famous people? So it's John Favreau and Roy Choi cooking, and then yeah, every once in a while, like every other episode they have famous guests on like uh seth rogan was on there um they have gwyneth paltrow on there and (laughs) they're talking about the filming of uh the like latest spider-man movie that came out she's like i wasn't in that and he's like i'm pretty sure you're in that she's like i was not in that movie but she's in that movie is she she's at the very end yeah her i think robert downey jr yeah her robert downey jr and john favreau you're talking about the the first one no uh the first spider-man the spider-man homecoming 
Yes. You maybe. Are. You are. I'm telling uh, you. I watch I watched both of them like very close in proximity. So yeah. Anyway, she didn't remember being in it at all, and she clearly was. Um oh, she's high on goop. It's it's her it's her brand. I, I know what it is. I just don't get like the, the joke doesn't make any sense. I was trying to be relevant, sorry. What about that goop, everyone? Have you guys heard about that? <laughs> oh, what's up? Kind of crazy. I'm sorry. Jesus. Jade eggs up here, but okay. I get it. Uh, I think the ending is uh, is kind of the only thing really left to talk about. Although I will say, like, did you notice a lot of like seemingly food safety violations? Like uh, the conversation where you uh, have Sofia Vergara kind of accidentally says "I love you" to uh, John Favreau. They're all handling a phone with like their gloved hands, and I was just like, "That's gross." Mm, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Does it show them getting back to the food, or is there a cutaway where they could just change change gloves? There's no time to change gloves in that situation, man. The kid okay. definitely didn't. I don't trust him at all. No, that kid. That kid probably wiped his ass with that glove. I don't. Yeah. Put cornstarch on his on his balls. Um, the ending, though, I really love the Oliver Platt and John Favreau finally like meeting and having like having it out after after bearing the hatchet moment. Yeah, that was nice. I I mean, especially like John Favreau's like. You know, you really hurt me, da da da. And, and John Oliver Platt's like, "This is what I do. Like, you came at me. I thought we were having fun. Like, what was that? I had to bury you." Yeah, I mean, fair, right? He's like, "I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare challenge you in a cook-off." And I was like, "Right." Um, I don't know if I wanted it. I guess I did. For him and, and his ex-wife to get back together at the end, I think that was nice, but maybe that was like too nice. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think they allude to it. I mean, because starting out, they're actually on really good terms. They're both singles, like for the most part. Um, I think it's one of those things that's like, it didn't really matter either way. And, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me when we talked about The Martian, about how like, it really wouldn't have uh, spoiler alert, but we already did an episode on it. So if you're listening, whatever, um, it wouldn't have made sense for anyone to die in the end because just like the tone of the movie is so happy. And we're like, Chef, like it's such a lighthearted tone that you just see that at the end. You're like, Oh, that's nice. They got the, the the bands back together, you know? Yeah, but you know, it's also like you can look at it two ways, right? Um, one. The whole movie wasn't really trying to like build a relationship between him and his ex-wife back up. It was really between him and his son. And I felt like, I felt like you did that. But then on the other hand, right, I'm arguing with myself at this point. But then on the other hand, you saw how hurt his son was because of the divorce. You almost feel like for them to get back together is like remedies the son's cause. And, and for that, I guess, you know, I'm okay with that. Well, the other thing too is if you think about it, like part of uh, Inez, Sofia Vergara's issue with him is like the way he treats his son and like the kind of the value he puts on cooking rather than his family. And so like through this movie, he's kind of rediscovered like the balance. Right. And so then it kind of would make sense just given that they, they do seem to still like, like each other and not love each other. Um, so 
it, yeah, it, I, I can see, I can see the view of it being too, too sweet, but, uh, you know, I was fine with it. And, and just one more thing I really liked about this whole like concept of this, of this film is that, yeah, his main thing in the food truck is to like make and sell these Cuban sandwiches with like these yuca fries. But then as he goes to these like different places, the, the menu like, um, uses the ingredients and like changes a little bit like to be more accommodating to that culture of the place that they're at like for example they're in louisiana right so he starts selling beignets and putting um was it was it louisiana or texas that they had the barbecue that they replaced the uh, cuban sandwiches with texas yeah texas i mean i just thought that was really cool like i would follow a food truck that like had like a set menu but then were like specifically creative depending on where they were that's a awesome idea yeah i mean most food trucks probably just stick to one geographical area and don't do like road trips but i get your point yeah but i mean overall i really like the movie um it was one of those movies that's like just lingering in my netflix queue for the longest fucking time and i just never really like had a reason to to play it but um i'm glad i didn't because now i have and we can talk about it but yeah thanks for like pushing me to watch this movie because it was it was really nice well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched this is david and this is alon and i finally watched chef <laughs>